Welcome to Choir Talks. My name is Greg O'Neill. I'm the worship pastor at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, and Choir Talks is my weekly podcast. I'm glad that you're here today. Do you have a to-do list this week? I mean, are you a list person? Does somebody else make a list for you sometimes, like maybe a spouse? I've just heard that's a thing. Here in the South, husbands like to call those lists honeydew list. For me, I start every Monday morning by making a list. Now, I did not come by this naturally. I am not a list person. But I've come to recognize that a list is a necessary evil for me to help me remember the things that are important. Uh, and that's really the value of lists, right? They, they help us prioritize how we are to use our time and, and to carve out a path forward for what our actions need to be for the immediate future. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul has uh, been talking in his letter about the coming day of the Lord, as he calls it. That um, event colors how the reader of the letter uh, needs to prioritize what they are going to do. So he finishes his letter with a to-do list. Uh, Or in light of the coming of the Lord, here are the important actions that you need to take. We also still await the coming of the day of the Lord. So the knowledge that God is bringing this world to a culmination should help us be focused on what is important. So let's read Paul's list. He says, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each one another, with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, to warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So it sounds pretty much like a list, right? You can see some themes in this list. The first part of the list has to deal with our relationships with each other among the body of Christ. And then the end of the list has to deal with our relationship with God. Um, You can see also a theme of peace and unity here in this, this first part of the list. So let's go through each item. First of all, he says, acknowledge those who teach or serve as spiritual leaders. Now, the Bible tells us that those who are uh, teachers or spiritual leaders take on an extra responsibility and extra accountability. They do it for the kingdom and also for those who are under their care. So he tells us, acknowledge them. Then he says, live in peace with each other. And that's what I think is the theme of all of these. Um, A lot of Christians are content to live in ceasefire instead of peace. Uh, But peace is so much deeper than just the absence of outward conflict. The Hebrew word for peace, you probably know, is shalom, which the word shalom doesn't just mean no conflict. It's a lot deeper than that. Shalom means wholeness or completeness. That's the way our relationships should look with one another. And that... um, wholeness or completeness is not just a description of the state of our relationship, but it's also a blessing that is meant to be bestowed on 
others around us. Next, he says, warn those who are idle or disruptive. Now, that doesn't seem like it'd be something that would lead to peace, but it absolutely is key. If we're going to have peace with one another in the church, it's not just a, um, a facade of peace where we don't relate to one another on difficult things. Our accountability to one another means that we need to move beyond just ignoring problems and involve ourselves in restoration and the resolution of problems. So sometimes we need to warn. Then he says, encourage the disheartened. That word disheartened uh, made me think this week. I think this phrase speaks to going beyond uh, what the face tells us into seeing what's in the heart. It takes that extra level of empathy to really see the other person, to see what's going on and what their needs are, and to see them with a commitment to help. Then he says to help the weak. So that's always a difficult thing to do, especially if we're going to be selfish, because helping the weak is always going to cost you. Those are the people that um, there's no payback for what resources you put into their lives. And so it is an utterly unselfish thing to help the weak. And yet we do it because Jesus, our leader, entered our weakness to bring us life. So there's a joy in following him by helping those around us who have needs. Then he says, be patient with everyone. Now, No matter how well you get along with people, there will always be someone in your life that requires patience. At least it has been my experience in life. So what's needed here is recognizing that moment when you have to defer to someone else's needs, even when you don't want to, even when you think that person doesn't deserve it. We have to be patient with one another. Lastly, in terms of our relationships to one another, he says, don't pay back wrong. No Christian has the right to seek their own revenge. Romans 12 talks about this also, and it's very clear on this. Um, it It tells us that this is God's job. If you think that you can um, pay back for a wrong, Romans 12 makes it obvious that you aren't righteous enough to decide what payback should look like. Instead, it says, strive to do good to each other. If you want to know how to give back to one another, it's not payback. It's good, even to those who have offended you. And Romans 12 bears this out also. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him drink. Then the list moves on to three things that um, talk about our relationship with God. First of all, he says, rejoice always. Now, you have to understand the word rejoice. Uh, It's not, um, that doesn't mean be happy, happy, happy all the time. Happiness has to do with our relationship with circumstances. But joy or rejoicing has to do with our relationship with God. Because rejoicing or having joy is the result of right relatedness to the Father in spite of circumstances. Uh, So, Our walking with him gives us a deep sense of joy. Then he says, pray without ceasing. Now, sometimes that's a little hard to imagine. But it's a reminder to me that when I pray, it shouldn't just be a few minutes before I go to bed or a few minutes in the morning. It shouldn't just be a one 
intense moment, uh, but it should be an open conversation that that happens all during the day. Um, when I talk to my wife, I don't limit it to just a few minutes before I go to bed or a few minutes in the morning. I speak to her whenever something comes up during the day that I need to talk about or something that she needs to talk about or just when I'm thinking about her, then we have a conversation that's open-ended and continues on. And our, our relationship with the Father should be like that also. And then lastly, he says to give thanks. In fact, he gives us um, a corollary to this. He says, give thanks for this is God's will concerning you. That sounds important to me. If it's God's will, I, I need to do it. Giving thanks is important to the Father. Um, think about the um, Jesus healing the lepers, the ten lepers, and how they all went to show themselves to the priest. But one of them came back to say thank you. And Jesus said to him, where are the other nine? He didn't say that because thanks was not important to give. He said that because thanks is important to the Father. And not only is it important to God, it's important for us. When we give thanks, it changes who we are. And it changes the relationship that we have the Father with the Father. It's very important. So, hey, here's your to-do list uh, from Paul this week out of 1 Thessalonians 5. So, get busy. Have a great week.